0: In this episode, I'm honored to have Britton LaRue as my partner in conversation. Britton's name and offerings have come up quite a few times in the conversations that I've been sharing in this podcast, so I'm very excited for you to hear my conversation with Britton today. Let me first introduce Britton to you by sharing her bio. Britton LaRue is a transformational life guide and magical business coach. She supports her community primarily with technologies of intuitive listening, which include wisdom she receives from astrology and the tarot. Britain is the creator of Emergence Astrology, which leans on this ancient symbolic language to help us become more approachable to the self and the wild path that is emerging in the dark for us. Britain serves and mentors one-on-one clients, a vast community of students, podcast fans, and thousands of readers of her workbooks. Hmm, I love that bio. The story of how Britain and I met is very magical, very non-linear, and very synchronistic. I get into all the details in the conversation, so I won't be repeating it here, but I will say that in the past few years, Britain has become such a life-giving, radiant and inspiring presence in my life. And I use that word inspiring not in a sort of aspirational watching a public figure from a distance kind of way. I started working with Britain on a one-on-one capacity as one of her clients in 2019 and then in 2020 when she started teaching astrology I studied with her and in 2021 Britton graciously extended the invitation for me to work with her and collaborate with her in nurturing and growing her community of learners, seekers, and magical people who want to be sharing their magic. So I feel extremely privileged to be witnessing Britain's process and growth up close and to be included in that journey as both a friend and a collaborator. As someone who grew up feeling like an outsider, I feel like I've struggled with collaborations all throughout my life, but with Britain, there's such a deep well of compassion, understanding and commitment to supporting each other, and I feel like our collaborations have truly transformed the way I approach my relationships with both others and myself. So it's really meaningful for me to have this conversation with her. And my intention was to celebrate Britain's life and work so far, as well as to shed light into her unique process as a magical person, a dearly beloved teacher and member of her communities, as well as um, all of the learnings and challenges of being a human person who decided to step into one soul calling. It also doesn't hurt that this episode, um, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, it's actually on March 4th and that's both Britain and I's birthday. So um, yay, happy birthday to us. (laughs) Um, In this conversation, we discussed Britain's unique approach to the craft of astrology. Um, Earlier this year, she coined the term emergence astrology to describe her practice and we kind of traced the journey of how that concept crystallized for her as well as how her relationship with seeking answers changed since the beginning of her astrological journey. We also discussed how to resource oneself in order to steward creative ideas, how to compost your life experiences and the skills you learned from previous chapters in your life to build a life that feels resonant to you, and Britton's experience stepping into the role of someone who helps others answer their calling to share their gifts with others, which required her, or at least in her case, required her to de herself in her community while also allowing her gifts to assist others in the ways that they're supposed to. Alright, let's get into my conversation with Britton LaRue. Welcome to the podcast, Britain.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan.
0: Uh, This is so exciting and such an honor for me because you know this, it really feels to me like you and I have walked so many lifetimes together, (laughs) (laughs) like both before this lifetime and also during the last few years that we've known each other.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So, it's really crazy to me to think that really, like, we have never really met in person. How crazy is that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: it is so wild. It's also like a, it speaks to how powerful voice is. Um, yes. And the energy that we can feel through the, these channels is very real.
0: 100%. Yes. So for those listening who are not aware, Britain and I um have well basically hmm I'm I'm wondering if I should share the story of how I how I met you Britain. Do you think yes. that's a good place to start?
1: Okay. Yeah, I always love rehearing it. Okay.
0: <laughs> I feel a little self-conscious because I feel like I've shared that story in so many different places, but but here we go, right? So um, in 2019, I released my album and afterwards, um, I think it was just, you know, post, it was a big release for me. I felt a little bit um, like let down by the whole experience. And and so I started to go a little deeper into myself. I read The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And then, um, I started doing the morning pages and what came through was my grandmother kept coming to me in my dreams and kind of told me to get a reading with an astrologer. And so I had done my research pretty extensively, right? Virgo rising style. And nobody, (laughs) (laughs) nobody really seemed like a good match um, until somehow miraculously, magically Google showed me your website. I still don't know how that happened. And the moment I saw your photo, I just knew you were the right astrologer for me. So this was before even reading anything that you wrote on your website or anything like that. It was just like on an energetic knowing level. I just knew that like you were going to be the right match for me for my first astrology reading ever. And then I searched you on Instagram and I found out that we shared the same birthday and then which was also my grandmother's birthday and then we started working together and later i also found out that julia cameron shared the same birthday with all of us so this is just insanely magical so i feel like magic was how we met
1: (laughs) it's true
0: yeah and that was in 2019 and since then i feel like um You've really become my teacher and we've collaborated on quite a few offerings together. And it's just been such a privilege for me to be witness in my growth by you and also to witness your growth as an astrologer and more recently as someone who mentors other people who wants to be astrologers or readers of any sort. Yes. So yeah
1: (laughs) it's been my privilege and honor to watch you and your path too it's just truly truly a treasure in my life
2: Mm.
0: thank you britain so i've been starting these conversations in the present moment um the question i like to start with is who do you feel sense or know yourself to be in the present moment
1: Yes, I love this. I feel in the present moment that I'm someone learning a lot about taking responsibility for all that I've Said yes to, hmm. and all that I've brought into being as having layered um, registers for beyond myself, and and really, I've I've worked really hard as you know
2: <laughs> Yes,
1: <laughs> for um, coming on four years now since i had my first client and wanting to be someone who had a quiet practice just serving one-on-one by referral only and then moving into accepting that i want a broader reach um And that I have all kinds of things that I want to offer and that stuff just comes to me. And then I feel like I have to serve it. And I'm right now really just learning so much about capacity and how to serve all this that I want to see live Hmm. and also just be a, like the, I'm getting a lot of information about recognizing that this is not just like about me and my channel. It's about my whole ecosystem and all my relationships and how, you know, when I say, yes, I'm going to do something, it reverberates beyond myself. And just it's not it's not like a game to serve my own will and thrill at creating um, mm. And so I'm feeling like I'm learning just so much about the relationality of my magic and how to be more skillful at um, pausing and holding and resting with like what's here and not necessarily moving straight into action on things just because they came in does that make sense
0: (laughs) yes i'm really hearing both the empress card and the emperor card
1: kind Mm -hmm. of dancing
0: together in that answer
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yes yes and um like i'm in the like how, asking for you to come work with me last year was a huge healing process of really wanting to feel supportive, supported, and um, also in learning how decentering myself in some ways actually makes my offering better. Um, and then like s- s- taking care of all of my innate fears around being supported in and, um, and then and sharing, sharing the the stage. Um, I have a lot of healing healing around, um, like that I have to hold it all, or else I'm weak or I have to be the one, that has the information or else um, why would people pay me? Um, and letting other people's genius work with mine to create something even better than I could have ever imagined. And then caretaking the, the fear that comes from the unlearning, from the academic process, from overculture around around um, that being okay, that that's actually amazing, and yeah. there's nothing to fear here. And now I'm in the process of doing more hiring, and the whole thing feels very scary. Um, and uh, grown up <laughs> as someone who's like continuously learning that I can be a business person after being really sure that I could never be a business person most of my life, and um, the. That it's all about there's like a chaos inherent in inviting in other people to come in and shine and support, and um, just letting that in. Like I feel like I'm really it it feels very edgy for me this expanding process so that I can do all the things that I want to do. Mm. And there's also a there's also I've been feeling a lot lately the presence of grief yeah. when one is expanding and like I feel like my practice wants to go to places that like some of the intimacies that I maybe used to feel I kind of have to let go a little bit so that I can speak more broadly and mm. all of that feels tender. Um, just, for, Just for example, like the idea of hiring someone to answer my emails. Mm, like, I'm really yeah. struggling with this idea um, because email really does bog me down in terms of my day. And someone could answer those for me, but releasing myself from the intimacy of emailing with clients or students feels really scary and it has its own grief. So I feel like that's very present for me too.
0: Definitely. Wow. I get chills hearing that answer. Yeah. I also feel the Saturn and Jupiter kind of brush together. You know, it's like as you're expanding, there's also perhaps a need to be more disciplined about how your energy is being spent and Mm -hmm. recognizing the limitation of just really being one person at the helm of this incredible... um, growing expansive container
1: yes yes Mm. exactly um and just wanting to do it all in ways that feel an integrity and um i'm very keen to challenge to to grow as a quote-unquote business person in ways that are um very human and that happen organically that aren't me following what people say is like how you quote unquote scale or whatever, or like,
2: Mm.
1: I just, I want the template for growth to feel right. And, um, it's been messy <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm trusting that messy is good, but, um, I, I know that I'm, I'm like bumping up against my own limitations a lot as I am in this growth process. So yeah. it's been humbling every time I stumble, but I know that stumbling is part of the deal. Hmm.
0: I really perceive you and experience you as someone who is really skilled and gifted at what I call like timeline jumping, you know, (laughs) (laughs) really, I I mean that not really as a compliment, but just like as a reflection, because I see that you're someone who's able to in a, in a way that's nimble and gentle and compassionate. And I'm sure fear comes up too, but it feels to me like you really have a good sense of how to do that, you know, how to leave behind ways of being and ways of thinking that are no longer serving you at this moment and just really kind of refocus and realign to the timeline that is possible that is exciting to you
1: thank you i see myself that way too and um i really do trust that it will be very pleasurable to go back and listen to what i was just saying as my present time self mm-hmm. yes <laughs> and be like oh remember when i was working on that <laughs> <laughs> now i have a whole other thing i'm working on but that was like really hard and i figured you know i i listened and i grew and um i let go of that work as it emerged for me um so yeah thank you i'm i've i'm moved that you see that in me
2: Mm,
0: yeah of course so i want to ask you about how you got to this point so maybe you know how you can answer that question is really just tell us a little bit about about your path and how you got here how you found astrology tarot energy healing and you know a good place to start is always your sun moon rising right because maybe i don't want to presume that everybody who listens to this knows you um yes. so let's start there yes
1: okay um so yes i am an aries rising and so i have a capricorn moon thus in my 10th house of career and reputation and my pisces sun mercury venus stellium is all in my 12th house Mm. um and i would say that how i got here now is related to my experience of having Neptune transit my son in 2017 and 18. And in that period of time, I began taking intuitive healing courses. It kind of, I just stumbled into this group with our teacher, Deborah Kremins. Mm-hmm. Um And just learning the basics of where, how to. Think about where my energy is and attune to my energy, attune to the ground, attune to my aura, attune to boundaries. The idea of like clearing other people from my space and calling my energy back to me was radical. Hmm. Um, and in just from the, be- the beginning of that experience, I just felt like I was flowering open because um, I was hearing myself in ways that I hadn't been hearing myself before for quite some time. Yeah. And then um, f- about five months after that, there was a full moon in Capricorn at the time. I didn't know my chart, so I didn't know that was a f- my needle moon. And I had the distinct feeling that I had maybe never seen the moon really before. And that in that moment, the moon was trying to talk to me, asking me to learn how to work with it. So in this window, I separated from my ex-husband and went into a kind of hermit phase where I rarely went out except to when I had my children and to take them to their things. And, um, my life became very ascetic. I moved into a, a little duplex space with almost no furniture. And, uh, Was learning about how to work with the moon in ways that would be nourishing for me, and in that time, my brother gave me a PDF of my chart and a a one-month subscription to Chani Nicholas. Um, And listening to the way Chani speaks about astrology, I knew that it would be something that I could understand. And looking at my chart. I just knew that I could read it, and so then I set about in my hermitage studying astrology. And I, I even told my brother at the time, "Yeah, I'm going to re-reading the tarot too." And he's like, "Why? Are you, <laughs> how can you just say that?" And I was like, "I know. I'm <laughs> going to." And I got my first deck, and then I found Lindsay Mack's work, and. I'd have a knack for finding teachers um, mm. and I just full, you know, force of myself committed to understanding my chart. And then the more I was, I felt myself to be healing with my chart, the more I thought I could, I could help people with this. I could teach this because um, my background is two decades in academia. Yeah. And, uh, so then, yeah, it just started with one client and referrals. And then I began to understand that I didn't want a quiet one-on-one practice with by referral only. Mm. I wanted to contribute to public discourse. Um, and I wanted a way to share what I wanted to say And so from Instagram and then my newsletter over time, everything just became from my workbooks to my different courses, to the podcast, Moon to Moon, everything was like channels for what I want to say and how I want to help people with what I'm learning. Yeah, And um, just kind of like showing up for each one that asked to be, Uh, a part of my life um, so that I I haven't really been thinking big picture much over the last, over the growth period. It was really about um, making something happen. I had a timeline of like losing my alimony with my ex-husband where I I really hoped to be in a sustainable business so that I could take care of myself without the alimony. Yeah. And I do think that that was a real (laughs) motivator. Um, So working within this window, just like basically like seeing what I could come up with and being a channel for everything I started to visualize in my mind's eye that I could create. I've just Mm -hmm. been serving that without a really clear idea of where I'm going just listening from one thing to the next. So now like I said I'm in this space of like I have things I want to create. I just I do not have the capacity to listen to them. I'm
2: mm.
1: I'm serving what I've already created. Yeah. And I need I need stabilization and like stronger foundations before I can I feel like I can create all the rest of the things that are start trying to talk to me, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yes. So that's been a humbling thing as an Aries Rising to um, slow down mm. and not center my will um, and like really start leaning more on a Saturnian Capricornian. What's the long-term plan here, and yeah. how can you create structures of sustainability? that feel good to you, um, for what, for my, all that Pisces stuff, which is like, I just want everyone to trust in themselves, learn how to hear themselves and deprogram and unlearn and, um, feel alive through this language. If it's a model that excites you the way it does me, Um, that's how Um. I, Yes. So my, the, the, my moon and my Aries, I think, just support my, they're like my, my workers for my Kaisis. Mm-hmm. You know? Does yeah. that make sense?
0: It does. I love what you mentioned there. You put in the word model. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is how what I perceive to be one of the ways of many, that your magic is so radiant and unique and even seems effortless to me is what I would call framework magic (laughs) and (laughs) for me like what I came away with being in your learning spaces as both a student and then later as your collaborator is a certain lens through which you see the world I've been using the metaphor um, of the bookshelves to describe it which is You know, I I feel like you really help students, participants, clients learning how to build their own bookshelves so that they can find their own unique way of organizing the books.
1: (laughs) You know, my Jupiter and Gemini is like completely in love with that. Uh, Yes,
2: exactly. (laughs) I
0: was going to mention that. And also to add to that, I feel that where you are using or channeling your magic um, in like a very powerful way too is in your ability to consistently steward what wants to come through. You know, I I really see that um, quincunx or in conjunct between your Jupiter and Gemini and your moon and Capricorn. And I think there's something just very mesmerizing about witnessing especially for me like having the privilege to witness up close someone who embodies both the possess of gemini and also the sustainability and dur- durability of capricorn so i would really love to have like a bit of a greatest hits discussion of your different framework magic if that's okay with you
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, so the first one is emergence astrology. And this is it's interesting because I feel like we're kind of working backwards, right? I think emergence astrology is the the latest like term that you coin really. Um and I want to start there because it feels like this is the umbrella under which the other concepts are living, so to speak. So I want to read you something that you wrote when you introduced the concept. This is I think from um, an Instagram post. Emergence Astrology is a practice of deep listening. The goal of Emergence Astrology is to become more trusting of the wild path that wants to be illuminated. To people hungry for answers, Emergence Astrology will never give them to you. I'm not interested in depriving you of the magical unfolding of your own knowing. So, wow, that just, (laughs) that's incredible. Um, I want to, I want to start with what I feel to be very powerful in that quote, which is that you wrote that the unfolding um, is the magic. I, I think we live in a culture where we often think that having the answers, like w- if only I have the answers, right? Then I will feel magical or then everything will will be resolved. I won't have problems anymore in my life. But what I'm hearing you say in that quote is that um, coming to our own knowing is... Equally, if not more, magical than the answers themselves. Would you say that that's true?
1: hmm Yes. Um, I feel like, would you say that's true? That if you're learning anything with me, you're learning to relax the fear... That you um, aren't still at your answers, or that you aren't at some place where you'll you'll know it all. Yeah. Um, that like this idea of having all the answers is an illusion, um, mm. and like learning to relax that the answers are uh, located only contingently and relatively okay. to the moment that we're in and to one's own like subjective positionality at a given time. And this idea that the chart has all the answers is only true in the sense if we include how it's unfolding differently every day yeah
0: yeah one thing we talk about a lot in charting your course which is a container we're currently um growing together nurturing together is this idea that and i think this is something that you first opened my eyes to which is that the chart is ever evolving and that the activation of what a person is even able to see in their own chart is something that takes time, right? Like something that is activated with certain transits or maybe certain progressions coming into view and perhaps an overall general, you know, how mature you are, (laughs) right? Or like the kinds of experiences that you've had to go through in this life in order to be able to witness that particular aspect of what your chart is trying to communicate with you
1: yes yes exactly right i mean i when i found my chart it was like all right this will be the key you know like i'll figure it out and (laughs) then i'll know who i am (laughs) yeah or like and then i'll know why i'm here Uh, then i will know how to fix myself, Mm. you know, those were like my initial, um, motivating factors. Yeah. And those are many of the motivating factors of people who come into my space in some way. And I feel that seeing the chart as something that's always animated and reflecting like different facets and lit up in different ways all the time, um relaxes my desire to get to the end of a process where maybe that's when I'll feel safe
2: you mm, know yeah yeah
1: <laughs> And finding safety in just um learning, you know that in that kind of day-to-day moon to moon cycle to cycle way dilates presence for me here so that s- safety's, can be found in some degree here rather than in some future place that I could try to get myself to if I just Mm -hmm. apply myself enough, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What I experienced working with you too, and I'm going to share a funny slash embarrassing story here, which is that, (laughs) you know, our first, very first reading, I shared with you a, what, like five page Google document Outlining all my questions and context, which is really crazy now that I think about it, but but it does um, illustrate, I think, a certain level of urgency, and yet also maybe a sense of like emergency that comes up when one is looking for an astrology reading, right? And mm-hmm. and there's something that um, there's something that you said a moment ago that really kind of struck me, which is that. You know as we heal that i'm paraphrasing here but as we heal that desire to get to the answer you know what i'm hearing is that all the things that we wanted to grow like um feeling like we we know our path right or like feeling like we are um empowered in making decisions that are in alignment with us Becomes a byproduct rather than a destination of the work.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, lovely, yes, yeah. That Resonates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you tell
0: us more about how you came into or upon this framework? I, I feel like often the genesis of um, the crux of our work, right, or even like ha- the framework within which we kind of enclose our work often begins long before we found the words for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that was your experience too with emergence astrology.
1: Yes, I. um, as I began to trust that frameworks find me and that I don't have to go looking for them, Mm. I knew that at some point I would know what I'm doing and have a name for it. It's just, and I and I didn't need to push that process or be urgent about it. Um, but emergence has been such a keyword for me from the very beginning, um, mm. and I, if I've shared in many places that I'm very inspired by this quote from Toko Turner from the book, Belonging, Coming Home to Ourselves or something like this. Um, Emergence never happens all at once. And it's about um, what she says, she has this line that's like, um, focusing on becoming approachable to this self that's emerging. And I just found this idea of becoming approachable so inspiring. Mm. of like okay becoming approachable how might i become approachable because inherent in that there's so many uh, invitations around healing deprogramming trusting listening um attunement it, becoming approachable does not sound graspy right or like going after the thing right it's like yeah it's very friendly it's friendly it's it's like working with a wild animal or something you know like letting something come to you um so what do i need to be the person becoming approachable there's like a it's very relational feeling to me you know yeah Mm and trusting that astrology is a beautiful toolkit and language for that relational listening process to unfold. Um, It's not astrology only that does this. It's just astrology is such a magical language to help with that process. So, because I've always known that I think what I'm really interested in is not so much astrology as like how astrology can be a tool for Emergence, for transformation, Mm -hmm. for healing, for deprogramming. That's what I'm really interested in because that's how I was approaching astrology from the beginning is um, is a way to, in a a place of like deep change, how can I support the me that is trying to come through um, and like detangle myself from these habitual modes of behavior um that i think of are me but in many ways are like trauma responses or are just patterned grooves that i got stuck in or yeah. labels that i was called by somebody else that aren't even really me or like scripts that i never even asked for mm-hmm. um so i just For me, astrology has always been a very inspiring language, both from my chart and also chartlessly, a thing Mm -hmm. that I talk about. Um, Like we don't even need our charts to work with astrology for this. Um, Just the language itself offers so many wisdom pieces for helping us hear and attune to how to become approachable to what's emerging
0: Yes. So I want to kind of put a bookmark on on talking about working with astrology chartlessly. And I feel like this is a perfect segue to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, which was living the signs, because mm. one of your most beloved and accessible and gentle offerings is the living the science workbooks. Um, I really see them as these beautiful talismans that serve as living companions. They, in my own experience working with them, they become a place where we can record our own observations about each of the signs and also like come to our own understanding of what the signs represent to us. Um, And I'm curious to hear how, how living the science is connected to this idea of working with astrology chartlessly, because I feel like there's a connection there, um, in that, like, let's say I wanted to get deeper in my own knowing of the Aquarius archetype. Right. And perhaps I don't have a lot of Aquarius in my chart. I can literally grab one of these workbooks and, and just kind of get cozy with the Aquarius archetype, which is so cool, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, I I guess the first question I wanted to ask you was, um, yeah, talk to me more about the experience of working with astrology chartlessly, because this was something I learned from you, and I don't really hear a lot of people talk about it in that way.
1: Yes. um, I think that... (laughs) <laughs> just in my own self-care I was kind of trying to I was wanting to move through each house and sign and planet and my chart as parts of myself that I wanted to get more intimate with and grow more skill set around mm-hmm. and I found that working with the signs where I have no planets was hugely supportive as much as any other sign. Like, of course, working with Pisces is very helpful for me, but Mm. I also, I don't have any planets in Virgo. I don't have any planets in Aquarius. I don't have any planets. I have Chiron in Taurus, which does matter, but Um, working with all the signs for me is how I began to feel more wholly alive in my own self. And I just began imagining other people potentially finding that helpful for them. This idea of I am all 12 signs and I want to grow the part of me that is whatever Leo
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how can I coax my Leo forward? How can I befriend my Leo? How can I listen to the Leo in myself that might be afraid to be Leo or fears that I'm oppressively Leo or whatever it is? You know, mm. um, I just began imagining, but I really, I really wrote it myself in many ways, right? I, I do think when we're writing for our younger self, um, there's a kind of, uh, motor that we land into that fuels the, the passion of the project in really mm-hmm. clear ways where you're not getting hooked into worrying about what other people think.
2: Absolutely. Um,
1: so yeah, I, I wrote it in kind of a I mean it's 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 amazing. It was like nine months I wrote Moon to Moon as well as the all twelve signs. Yeah. And <laughs> I can't even believe it.
0: It's wild. I mean, I I was peripherally witnessing you in that process. <laughs> and I'm like I mean, looking back, I'm just I'm, you know, astonished at what you were able to accomplish. Can you speak a little bit more about that? process to what was that process like was it painful
1: <laughs> you know i so, i sometimes miss it and then some part of mm-hmm. me is like oh i don't know that i could ever do it again um mm-hmm. it really was i think all about this balance of the elements helping me it certainly had so much fire behind it because that's what got me through it. Like, um, throwing myself out of bed four to 5 AM, Like couldn't wait to get back to writing yeah. just like so much energy for this. And then, and no fear. I like had no fear about it. I don't that just the fire just burned it all up. Mm. There was no room for fear. The the fire was too strong. And then air, like just the way that I was able to synthesize so many concepts with really clear, straightforward economical language that came through potently Mm -hmm. is like some kind of brilliance just really came forward that I think I've always had. And certainly my, my academic papers were always very interdisciplinary. I was always pulling from like all these random things that I happen to know, um, and putting them all together in ways that like was a mashup that nobody had heard of before. That's kind of one of my zones of genius. And, um, the words just came, there were no blocks. Uh, and then water, I feel like, um, I just felt really supportive and kind of the oldest ways inside of myself through that. Like I was calling on a lot of guidance and doing a lot of deep listening. And it was as much a heart led project as anything. Um, I really felt connected to what I was writing um, Mm. through all parts of me. And then you have to have the earth there too. Like we had very clear deadlines if we were to have each sign out by the next sign season. right? And then as Christmas approached and we were like, Oh, we should have them. We need to get them all done. Oh my goodness. Like they were real deadlines working with these printers
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and companies and that earth ability to just be like, here's the deadline by this point, this needs to be done. By this point, this needs to be done. And I have to, of course, also um, speak to the synergy of working with my collaborator because Angela and I had some kind of dialed in um, like mind melding that was going on mm-hmm. of like just two people super, super in sync. Like yeah. we, we just could read each other and. Um, We were supportive of each other. We were applauding each other and we were completely committed. And so on so many levels, it was a powerful experience. One of the most powerful was I just had never been a partnership person. I've Mm -hmm. always been like the go it alone person, the gal who like, can't stand group projects Um, (laughs) (laughs) because you
0: were probably the one finishing them all the time
1: (laughs) it was just like uh this will get done a lot faster if I just do this myself like yes and um, in Angela I found this healing experience because I could trust that um, she was bringing everything I was bringing and that both of us we're better together and mm. I had never really known that in my life. And wow. now it's something that I'm inviting in very actively. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I couldn't have done it without having that person that I could laugh with and that I felt was like with me, you know?
2: Mm.
1: So. It's so
0: beautiful. And I think what you shared will be so helpful for many people listening to this because, Um, that sounds like a really, you know, it's it's very specific and unique to you. And at the same time, I also hear how it can reverberate into other people's creative processes because I'm sure there are folks listening who also want to have, you know, to be serving a large vision and, and something that feels really expansive. I really feel like, you know, after you were done with writing Living the Science, something opened up for you. Like in your, you know, kind of, if we're talking about more earthly career things, something opened up for you. Did you feel that too?
1: Yes, I, well, many things, you know, I always felt I was failing um, as an academic because I never had anything published. Mm. There was something like, as an Aries rising to just self-publish yeah. is like perfect for me. Mm. Like I'll do it myself.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> um, being able to have something tangible and holdable. Um, like I did that. It really helped me just kind of like see that I had something to offer um, mm-hmm. in ways that, I just kind of wasn't seeing. Um, And I was creating them in my own thrill for, like, the 30 people who were buying them at the time. Mm. (laughs) And then afterward, realizing, like, oh, like, we could keep selling these. They aren't just for the window that we made them in. We made them evergreen, Mm -hmm. so maybe a thing that I worked my butt off could like actually take care of me through continually making income off of this, you know, yeah. and just this kind of like sustainability, like allowing myself to be nurtured from my hard work after mm-hmm. the work's already done. Wow. It's like this huge, like <sighs> for my brain to understand. Yeah. Um, it still is. Cause we're, they're, they're getting picked up more and more and more and we're selling more and more and more still. And it's there's still this part of me that's like, but I did that work so long ago. How am mm. I still getting paid? But like, that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning so much about money and like how the investment of your time, like that, I love the word investment as a powerful word. Um, the investment of all that energy like I could be paid back on that for years. Hopefully right. I will, right? But um, learning that has been huge for me as someone with no business experience um, prior to the last couple of years.
2: Mm,
0: yeah. How did it, I remember at the beginning, it started off as just the Pisces workbook. How did it turn into all of the signs?
1: Right, so... The first workbook Angela and I did together was when I told her I had this PDF guidebook for working intentionally at the new year called "Seeding the Year," and she was like, "Well, we could make that into a little pamphlet."
2: Mm.
1: And we made the first "Seeding the Year," and then Pisces was coming up, and I wanted to do a Pisces workshop. I was like, "Do you think we could make one of these workbooks for?" my Pisces class and like the, you know, 12 people who show up will have a workbook. And we made that. I, she had no idea that she was about to receive this like massive word document. (laughs) (laughs) And it was not a little pamphlet, you know, it was a workbook. It was like a textbook on Pisces Mm -hmm. that I just churned out in a couple of weeks and then everyone in the class was like, will you please do an Aries one? Okay. Meanwhile, I'm also creating a moon one for a workshop that I'm doing in town for like 20 people. And I make, you know, a 150 page workbook for that called <laughs> Moon to Moon. And then I did the Aries one and then it's like, well, we have to do Taurus and now it's becoming a thing thing. Right. Um. It never even occurred to me that I wouldn't get them done by the time the next sign season came up. Mm -hmm. Um having those intense deadlines helped make it happen. Um, otherwise, who knows I might still be writing them.
2: Right. Right. Wow. So
1: it was all just like total fire. Um just so much energy for this thing. Mm -hmm. Was that your question?
0: yeah i mean you answered it so beautifully thank you for okay. Okay. thank you for all of that yeah um i want to transition to talking about the magician's table because that was kind of the next mm-hmm. thing that you birthed after living the science and hearing you talk about working with the different elements while you were writing living the science workbooks really inspired me to to move on to the magician's table so you know, the thing about The Magician's Table is that although we're just having this conversation now, I've had multiple conversations with folks on this podcast who kept, you know, th- this is the one offering that kept coming up <laughs> again and again, and people are always talking about it. Um, I've had Mary on the show, Mariola, um, Mallory, we were all just talking about this really life-changing experience in a way. Um I, I would describe it as a transformative container for people who are longing to be in touch with their magic and to mm. share it with the world. But from your perspective as the facilitator, as the person who came up with the concept and kind of pulled this concept down from the ether into reality, what do you think The Magician's
2: Table is? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, oh. Well I do think it's it is a framework that people can use whether they take the magician's table container that I offer or not. Mm. Um I really love the idea of framework magic as not having to belong to the offering. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for me feeding the year is a framework for intention, living an in intention that you don't need the seeding the year book to live the framework. Um,
0: Definitely. I would say even just reading an Instagram post from you, like if someone decided not to invest in a workbook, they can work with that idea.
1: Yes, yes. You can do living the signs without living the signs books, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I think that's, to me, the measure of like what I might say – A framework I find impressive you know like it's Mm. impressive to me to create something that people can kind of just get it and like you're 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 paid by them or not like it's there's something you're freely giving to yes or something Mm. anyway um yeah so the magician's table started coming in to for me um as I was creating the workbooks and it was like, shh, I can't think about you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Cause like I got to get through these books first, but I started really feeling this, like myself as magician and like it, seeing myself in relationship to like tools on my table was helping me get through, Go through my prod, get through living the signs, Um, and just kind of like, uh, I'm needing more fire. Like, mm, I'm, you know, what, what, what do I want to help me get through this task, these tasks today? Um, Where is the magic diminishing? Kind of feeling into. Uh, this idea of a table, which I think of as circumstances too, like our circumstances um, affect our connection to our magic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, that the, the sword the pentacle, the wand, the cup, our relationship to the elements uh, is like our relationship to our tools and our skills, which can always be ever expanding and growing Mm -hmm. And, um, so like pretty much within a week of finishing the last workbook in December of 2020, I began to visualize this whole three month curriculum with the elements, seeing a curriculum based on, um, a way of viewing the elements in a vertical column where earth is the heaviest. So at the bottom, like the root, mm-hmm. and then water above that air above that and fire being the, like the highest up, um, up energy. Um, and this idea of like the curriculum could move earth, water, air, fire. First we'll look at this in terms of inner worlds, personal support, self care, self-hearing, attunement, inward. And then we'll go then back down, like this kind of vertical spine, visual, fire, air, water, take it down to the root earth, Mm -hmm. thinking about working with the elements out in the world, interpersonally, transpersonally, collectively, service-oriented, business-oriented, For as a framework then for basically... um, helping grow trust in one's magic. And then meanwhile, the workshopping, partnering community building that was going on being this incredibly nourishing um, healing practice that you're growing in like a really fast pace, intensive pace.
2: Right. Um,
1: That is just kind of like a, breaking open experience um and yeah I knew I knew I felt this desire for it to have 12 people I felt this vision of a 13th reader this person who would be assisting me and helping with the 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 space holding and also someone that was still um not still like still in quotes, learning to trust in their emergence and also practicing and workshopping with everyone else mm-hmm. um, which I obviously yeah you were that person last mm-hmm. year yes <laughs> and um, I felt that was a, a really a special piece to it like I, I could have done it without that um, and you you probably would still would have signed up
0: <laughs> yes I, I definitely would have um, th- there was something. And I think this is really connected to, to what you are, you know, to, to this area that we're kind of starting to swim into, um, which is around. Okay. I'm going to read something that you wrote. Okay. I always thought that what people wanted from me was my information and my expertise, whether academic or astrological, but now I know this isn't the full truth. What people really want from me has something to do with my raw vulnerability authentic presence and wild aliveness. I think this came from your bio and and I really feel that this is relevant to what you were saying because it it sounds to me like there was a jump that happened because you were giving readings, you were teaching astrology, you were writing living the science kind of on your own and then somehow you made this jump into becoming a person who is helping other people um, trust in their own process. Mm-hmm. A- and it also sounds to me like you were kind of your own first client, in a way. You were your you were your first 13th reader. <laughs> <laughs> you applied the framework to yourself as you were um as you were creating this curriculum. So I'm I'm curious to hear if you want to speak more about the switch of how that happened or, or how would you contextualize it now that switch from becoming more the practitioner into someone who is a trusted voice that other emerging practitioners can come to and basically learn from.
1: Hmm. I think like many things for me, it began to, emerge because people were seeking any wisdom I might offer them on their own emergence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always pay attention to what people seem to want from me, especially because I don't know. I do think sometimes Aries rising has a hard time seeing itself. Um, (laughs) I, It's like always this sense for me of like, oh, that's what you want from me? You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm like surprised. I, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, because I went through that accelerated three-year window of doing so much um, shadow work and healing as I met all of my own fears and blocks and resistances around being seen visibly as an astrologer, mystic teacher person. Mm. Um, I began to just feel like, well, I could help people do the thing that I just brought myself through. Um, mm. And uh, cause it's, I think, you know, embodied experiences like the best experience to share mm-hmm. from. <laughs> mm-hmm um and just like oh if i went through that i bet all kinds of people go through that and i have things to offer that could help people trust in themselves and what i loved about the way i set up the magician's table is i did it in this way that actively decentered myself mm. why even though it was Clearly coming from me, you know. Right. And um this just continues to be a, th- a big theme in my life is balancing the like I would say Leo Aquarius axis of center decenter, um in one's creativity and in one's collectivity, you know, and then mm-hmm. also the Aries Libra kind of like my will is leading me get out of my way, balancing that with like, I'm listening, I'm attuning, I'm hearing the counter. I'm pausing before action to make sure I'm being responsible to everyone. I'm also working with in my life. And as you know, that's where my nodal axis is as well. Um, So there's this is all like, I think, huge, huge life stuff for me in this body timeline. Um, so Magician's Table was so moving t- for me because it just felt like a gift I was giving, and it was really about everyone else, you know?
2: Mm, yeah, yeah,
1: mm. I, it's. To me, the magic- magician's table is probably the best thing after my children that has come out of me. Wow. And like, I probably could just make that my entire business. It's just like running the magician's table all year long. Wow. Um, sometimes I think that that's probably when I'm supposed to do it, but we'll see. I'm just listening.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to share a little bit about my experience with The Magician's mm-hmm, Table. Please. I feel like prior to The Magician's Table, I had been doing a few readings, but but where I feel the magic of The Magician's Table really come through for me personally is it really gave me the confidence to be reading, but it's not as two-dimensional as that sounds because I think... What I realized, especially now in hindsight, about a year later, is that so much goes into one's readiness to become a reader.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: really <laughs> love that the curriculum was very holistic, in that, you know, there was the personal practices aspect, and then there was more the public facing aspect, which I tend to feel like in a lot of offerings. Um, out there that help people kind of get out there with their you know unique business idea or things like that. there tends to be it it tends to be a little lopsided for me. Like it's either very public facing, you know, teaching you all of these tricks with the SEO and marketing and all that stuff without really talking about the more personal work that's required. Or it goes the other way around, where there's zero um, discussions about the reality of what it means to be putting yourself out there, sharing your magical gifts um, without, you know, without a lot of, yeah, like, I feel like it it tends to be imbalanced a little. And I, I love the approach that you have to balancing the two. And for me, the community really helped because It wasn't even a piece that i had thought and i think a lot of i can speak probably for for quite a few people who went through that first iteration of the magician's table we didn't really think that the community was going to be such an incredible part of it you know yeah and an integral part of it it wasn't really part of my conscious awareness like i thought i was gonna go in there and just read for all these people but Actually, what ten- what ended up happening was um, you built a bond with the people in the container that, you know, I mean, when I think about it, right? Will I be able to achieve what I achieved in the magician's table, meaning having the confidence to offer my astrology readings out there without the magician's table? The answer is probably yes, but it wouldn't be half as fun, you know? <laughs> I just wouldn't have that experience and it's like, yes, I would be able to, you know, confidently give readings, but I wouldn't be able to learn from Lauren or learn from Erin or learn from Magda, right? Or Mallory. And, and there's something about the experience of being in a community kind of emerging together that I find to be very profound as an experience. And we were all bound by the same intention, too, of wanting to share our gifts, which I feel like the communal component of your offerings always came through anyway, like last year's charting your course, for example, uh, in 2020, right, the one where I was a student, I really felt like I ended up becoming good friends with these people. But, But it was more a byproduct, you know, and rather than being so bound by like a clear intention and there's something special that emerged that alchemizes when we are bringing that really sincere and pure intention to the table and seeing how everybody grows it in their own own ways mm-hmm. and it gives you a bit of confidence too of like oh this is how i read how this is how jonathan Coe reads you know which is very different than how say um, Mary or Jacqueline would read
1: thank you yeah and you know you you were my um, collaborator and co-conspirator <laughs> in um, really naming the intention of creating a beautiful community space. Yeah. And um, I feel like we did a lot of talking about that on the front end in the promo and in our welcome video of really inviting everybody into those intentions that Mm -hmm. you and I dreamt together. And I have to. Um, I have to insist that you see that your commitment to the container centered that so much, and that so much of that came from from you.
0: Hmm. Thank you, Britton. I'm okay. receiving that. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and this is how I keep learning that. The more I share and let in, um, let the genius and the gifts and the light of those I collaborate with be seen and appreciated and witness that, that helps my projects and my goals be better than what I could tr- do alone, you know? Yeah mm-hmm
0: so what what would you say is the biggest learning for you from running the first iteration of the magician's table and how does that inform your vision for um 2022 like the magician's table 2022
1: mm. yes last year carried um Like in the promo, I was, I, I went through a lot of fear around, um, like, what if nobody wants to do this? Yeah. I was, I put up a price that was way higher than any number I'd ever seen connected to my name. I was not doing a kind of a class that other people did. So there was a lot of like, will anyone even know what I'm talking about here? Mm -hmm. Um, And can I do this Uh, mixed with the burning passion of like (laughs) making and will and passion and energy. And um, this, you know, as I began to see that the container last year was beyond anything that I ever could have imagined it was just so magical really because everyone just brought it you know mm-hmm. everyone just met us at our own passion because they love themselves that much you know like they they believed in their own magic they trusted us to help them just that the energetics of everyone's commitment like that was just Sometimes it felt beyond what I could even receive. Like I like didn't even know if I had the capacity to receive so much power reflected back, you know, mm. maybe you felt this sometimes too. Just like, I can't yeah. even, believe <laughs> this. I can't yes. even believe this. Like what? Um, so this time it feels different in the sense of, I know how magical it is. So I'm serving what I know that it can be. And I'm, I'm just in desire to serve what I already know it is, as opposed Mm -hmm. to what I think it can be. Um, And, um, but I do think bringing the, the energetic of like the full force of your, of one's trust and one's intentions is such a huge ingredient and with Megan Fry and Mariola Rosario, the 13th readers this time, because there'll be two pods of 12, um, you know, letting it be a completely new experience and mm-hmm. honoring what we know it can be um, some kind of mix of that, I think is, it's interesting to do the 2.0 of anything, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It needs to be its own thing while also honoring the essence of the concept.
0: That's so wise. I agree with that. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I'm so excited to meet the people. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm about to just have my socks blown off by 24 new people. I mean, there's a kind of like, uh, energetic preparation now that i know what we're talking about
2: totally
1: <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: yes yes
1: <laughs> like get ready like i'm building into the promo window some rest before we begin so that i can like receive the the luminosity of what's about to come into my life mm-hmm. um
0: Wow, I want to read you something from your bio That I feel is so related to this um, In like a really magical way You said, with every expansion There's intense contraction Doubt and shame are my welcome life companions I work with these as I continue rapidly expanding my capacity For love, wealth, and pleasure As well as pain, grief, and fear that's a big one, and <laughs> <laughs> I kind of energetically feel that, as you're speaking about this new iteration of what is such a powerful transformative offering, so you know we both know this so in in human design, our profile um we are a three five profile, which is um you know, folks who don't know human design very well can, we are not experts either, but you can Google that. But it basically, I would say in a nutshell, it's like people who have to live through very extreme experimentation and experiences, and then find a way to teach that to others. And so I find myself like really feeling the profound resonance of that idea of the vulture magic, which, you know, we'll probably save for another conversation to fully, you know, lay that out on the table. But I also find myself resisting it. And I, I wonder, you know, especially as you're preparing for such a, such an expansive offering, what would you say to someone who is afraid of taking that next step for their expansion when they know something is the right move for them? And yet their mind comes up with a million reasons that it would fail or that mm-hmm. it would that they would crash and burn.
1: Yeah. Because at least as a three five, I do feel that being okay with being uncomfortable is part of becoming okay with being in deeper pleasure and more wealth and more expansion. So Mm -hmm. I don't know that it has to be like that for everyone, but it's true for me. (laughs) Right? Like um, letting myself feel the fullness of the disappointment of like, what if nobody signs up? What if I go through all that? What if I give all that money and I go through that energetic intensity, all those, giving all those readings and doing all that shadow work? And what if I don't feel any more magical or like, what if, what if nobody still wants to like buy my readings or like, what if I put mm-hmm. a price on my readings and, and nobody wants to pay it? Like that is that I can totally un- feel the fears of like, what if I commit at that level to my magic and, you know, like I deeply resonate with that. I feel like teary. I deeply yeah. resonate with like, what if it turns out I'm not magical or like I'm not mm. gifted the way that I'm starting to wonder that I might be, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I think it's a a natural fear, but what I've learned is that when you make space from releasing or facing or um, going right up to some of those scary places and then meet them there. Mm. Something opens up which grants the spaciousness for the next emergence. It's just, it's cyclical. It's, um, it's very natural. Um, it's like the way things are in a way for me is yeah. how I see it now. And so the degree to which you meet yourself at those fears and like have so much compassion for them and you meet yourself at those places where you want to trust, but it's totally terrifying in doing so, you can create the spaciousness for more of something that has not been able to come in as long as we have that limit, you know? Yeah. But it's not a destination, it's a process, you know? And I think the magician's table, if anything, is a way of framing a process that just keeps continuing re- beyond the, the space of the class, mm. you know?
2: Yeah. Mm.
1: How does that feel for you as someone who had fear going in and, and then received in ways that you weren't expecting?
0: My heart really opened up as you were saying that, as you were sharing that, because I think the most important piece is in almost like remembering that what we are looking for is the process or what Mm -hmm. we're looking for is in the process, not in the destination. And that really, it's really scary because it means that you can't bypass the process. Yes. That you can't just opt out of it because you just want the the final product because that's never rarely what we ever really want.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel that like for me, what I would be afraid of too is like, can I trust myself to be responsible for what begins emerging? Mm -hmm. And I feel like what, The magician's table created in like the aggregate of all of that intentionality coming from everyone with some sort of like force field of support, you know, to help people just keep showing up because everybody shows up to class, you know, everyone does the live meetup. You don't skip on the partner reading, like, Mm -hmm. because there's this kind of like showing up that is bound into what we're all agreeing to. Um, you show yourself how you can be responsible for this, you know? And then that yes. helps you feel more trusting in your ability to to caretake your own magic.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So there's something in the group part of it that I think helps carry us to that other side of the fear around whether we can trust ourselves
2: yeah
0: we're not meant to do this alone really.
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and then the the unexpected gift being that now you have all these peers on the other side to, to keep cheerleading you and um t- you can talk about you know anything with um and that that just keeps giving back over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So as we come to a close, my final question for you is how has your sense of the future and what's possible for the collective shifted through your own personal and public? grappling really with astrology lunar living and just in general living a magical life Mm
1: -hmm. yeah i really feel um an embodied trust in like a kind of adrian marie brown sense of emergent strategy that we are all fractals in this like larger ecosystem yes. of sentient beings and um, invisible beings <laughs> and um, web being of, um, an, like from an animist point of view. Um, I really do feel that one's own commitment to healing unlearning deprogramming connecting to one's magic listening emergence is like um one of the greatest ways we can support everybody else Mm. um yeah and that it's a constant, it's all relationship. Everything's relationship. And so for me, that really helps with hope and optimism and showing up and participating in one's life with vigor. Um, because Because I trust it, I can't fall into as much despair with like the evidence of what is here, you know, Mm. in our world.
0: Mm. I was really moved by what you shared about participating with vigor in one's life. Mm -hmm. That seems really powerful and healing to me. So thank you for that.
1: (laughs) Yes, you're welcome.
0: And thank you for being such a wise, um, kind, and really just magical human being, Britton. I really value and cherish you in my life. And I know that your students and your clients feel the same way too. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And likewise, um, I love talking with you and sharing my my life with you
2: Mm -hmm. yeah thank
0: you britain thank you That's it for my conversation with Britton. I hope you found nuggets of wisdom and inspiration from everything that we shared in that conversation. You can, as always, find Britton's work on her website, BrittonLarue.com, on Instagram at BrittonLarue, or on her podcast, Moon to Moon. All the links will be shared below as usual. One offering that I would like to direct your attention to is the Magician's Table, which we discussed in this episode and also in quite a few other episodes. Personally, for me, the Magician's Table is a container that helped me work with my fear of being visible in this realm of being a spiritual person, sharing insights and my gifts and my work with the world. And I don't think that it's possible to really eliminate that fear or, or the fear of being seen in general. But I found that, um, Britain's teaching as well as the communal support of this container were so essential in giving me a model and an experience that I can refer to, um, throughout my life when I know that I need to be facing that next level of, um, my fears of sharing my gifts because in some ways we're always emerging, right? Um I know that Britton is also going to be sharing some content on her podcast Moon to Moon about this offering. So I highly encourage you to check it out. Um, You can also listen to my conversations, as I mentioned, um, with the alumni of the Magician's Table. On episode seven, Mary Shook and I have a conversation about cults. In episode 8, um, Mariola Rosario and I have a conversation about the underworld. And episode 10, Mallory Doubt and I discuss the Capricorn archetype. If this offering is something that is calling to you, I encourage you to sign up for the waiting list in the link on the show notes below. On March 11th, which is a week, literally one week, from the time this episode airs the applications will be sent to those on the waiting list and the reason why I would encourage you to get on the waiting list is because last year um, all the spots were filled out within 24 hours so it's a very beloved and um, powerful and in-demand program with limited capacity so i highly recommend you get on that wait list if you feel the resonance and if you feel called to this container okay so if you found this podcast or this conversation to be inspiring nourishing or helpful in some ways i would love it if you could subscribe rate or review this podcast with five stars or whatever is the highest ranking on your podcast app if you think that someone else will benefit from this episode I would love it if you share with them too, whether that's on social media, with a friend privately, or with members of your community. Until next time, I hope you take good care of yourself and I'm sending you so much love. Thank you for listening.